to travel and, and visit and explore and have adventures again. I can't wait for that. This is a really tough time for everybody in the world, but we are gonna get through it. If you're a little bit down and you're like, oh my God, when is this gonna end? It will end. It will someday. <laughs> sure. so hang in there. <laughs> Welcome. This is your host, award-winning travel journalist and content creator, Jeff Jenkins. And you're now listening to Inspired 2022, the podcast where entrepreneurs, creatives, and the highly motivated goal to be inspired. This includes Y-O-U. We have an amazing show for you today. So Genevieve, take it away. Thank you, Jeff. Today, I'm excited to welcome Amanda Williams to Inspire 2022. Amanda is the award-winning blogger behind A Dangerous Business, a travel blog that aims to inspire people to fit more travel and adventure into the lifestyle that they already have. Since starting her blog in 2010, Amanda has traveled to more than 60 countries on six continents from her home base in Ohio and has worked with brands and destinations from around the world to promote thoughtful, balanced, and responsible travel. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Miss Amanda Williams here. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, one thing I wanted to start off with is just asking you. So you've been to 60 different countries, I heard. There might be more, 60 plus. I think. I am pretty bad at actually keeping like exact (laughs) count, but it's somewhere around 60. Yeah, Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) 66 continents. What was it about your New Zealand trip in 2005 that sparked that uh, love for travel? I don't know what it was exactly. I had always been interested in travel. So 2005, I graduated high school Mm -hmm. and I had been saving up for this trip to New Zealand since probably my sophomore year of high school. And my parents for my graduation gift, like bought me the plane tickets and my mom ended up coming with me and we had this amazing time. We went to a bunch of Lord of the Rings filming locations in New Zealand. (laughs) I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd. That was my first time traveling really far outside the US. Like I'd been to Canada, I'd been to, I think the Bahamas, but this was like, you know, the first time I needed my passport, the first time I took a really long plane flight and all of that. And I just loved it. I loved every single thing about it. Obviously the Lord of the Rings stuff, but also just, you know, getting to explore a completely new place and learn new things about the culture and the food and the people. And I don't know, I was just like instantly obsessed with with travel and with New Zealand. I was like, I'm coming back here. (laughs) I still have to get to New Zealand. You know what? Like, even as you're talking about your story right now, I even thought about it then. When I was a sophomore in high school or just like my sophomore junior year, I honestly didn't think that that was even a possibility of me going somewhere. It's so crazy to think now because I, all I do is travel. Is that yeah. like, man, you know what? When I like I have a goal that I want to be able to go to New Zealand. And that's so awesome to hear. Do you know like what it was about New Zealand other than just like Lord of the Rings that made you be like, you know what? I want to go to another country and like fly. Was there something around that? I honestly don't know. My family, we were not big travelers. My parents were not big travelers. In fact, my mom didn't even have a passport before she went to New Zealand with me. So she was in her fifties when she got her first passport 
we did family vacations like to the beach and to amusement parks and that sort of thing when I was a kid. It was usually like once a year we went right, somewhere for a couple days. So I I literally don't know where this travel bug came from, but as a teenager and a preteen, I would just get really passionate about things. Like whatever I was into, I was really into it. So yeah, like Lord of the Rings became one of those things. And then since the movies were filmed in New Zealand, I just like became obsessed with this idea of going to New Zealand and seeing this amazing place that I'd seen on screen. And then I was of course reading about a lot and Yeah, I I think it was just one of those like teenage things like, yeah, I was into boy bands and stuff like that. But like New Zealand and Lord of the Rings was like my thing. (laughs) That is that is fantastic. And I pray that my child wants to do something just extravagant (laughs) as that, like to even take me out of my comfort zone, because I think even at that time and like that age, I don't even think I was like, I think I might have just been scared to even think that was even a possibility, like going to a whole nother country. Yeah, and I mean, kudos to you for that. I also, I'm a very stubborn and motivated person. So I Uh think also once I set that goal, even though, yeah, my parents were like, there's no way you're going to save up that much money. And I was like, oh, you just watch. (laughs) How did you save up that money? I got a part-time job. I worked at a movie theater on weekends, like all through high school and and holidays. My dad was, he wasn't a super strict dad, but a little bit. He wouldn't let me work during the week, during school. Um, All during the weekend. Wow. Yeah, it was just weekends and summers, obviously. Yeah. I saved up all my money. Granted, I was a teenager, right? So I didn't have bills. I didn't (laughs) didn't really have anything else to spend the money on. So I, yeah, I saved up most of the money I needed for the trip. And it was just one of those things that once I like decided I was going to do it, I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not bailing. I'm not backing out. And yeah, I feel like that's kind of just carried on to a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Just saying that to carry on throughout your life. Like, do you feel like you've learned a lesson from that first initial trip that has like continued to go and like been a lesson, like even now uh, into adulthood? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, like I said, I was really obsessed with New Zealand. And so I read a lot about it. I knew a lot about the history of the country, like before I went, but even when I got there, like I learned so many things that like, you don't really grasp certain things about a country or a culture, just reading about it. Right. Or even like watching videos and that sort of thing. And, and I think that that's something that just keeps coming back. Like everywhere I travel, I learn something new. Even if I think I know a lot about the place I'm going, sometimes even if I've been there before, like there's always something new to learn and to see and to try. And I think that's like one of the coolest things about traveling is that it's just a constant like learning experience. And I'm, yeah, I'm one of those people that I love school. So I love learning and (laughs) getting to, you know, experience new things. And, and even in New Zealand, I mean, New Zealand culturally isn't a whole lot different from the United States. I mean, you know, most people speak English and well, Everyone speaks English, even though it's one of like three official languages, but still there were enough cultural differences to to learn about. And that was interesting, even as an 18 year old. (laughs) How awesome is it? Because I actually started, I went on my first international trip in 05. Like, how crazy is it now to be like my first international trip was like 17 years ago? Like you've been traveling since then, too. (laughs) So it's like we're seasoned travelers now. Yeah. And it's crazy too. like looking back then, you know, we had one of those really early version, like digital cameras that you had to load up with double A batteries. 
<laughs> you know, like the maybe, I don't know, two gigabyte memory card, or I don't even know how small it was at the time, but no cell phones, none of that back in 05. And yeah, it's just crazy to look at how far things have come in the last 17 years. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we're big fans of bucket lists uh, here at Chubby Diaries. I love that you share that like on your blog. Is there anything that you think should be on everyone's bucket list? How do you motivate or push yourself to make the time and commit to like crossing them off? I think bucket lists, I mean, first of all, they're a very personal thing, right? So I don't know that there's anything I would say has to be on everybody's bucket list. I think it's just, you need to think about like, what are the the things that you would really love to do or see? Or, I mean, my bucket list is mostly travel related, but I'm also constantly adding to it. So I think maybe the thing that needs to be on everyone's bucket list is uh, the flexibility to change it. (laughs) Because I feel like the more I travel, the more I realize that there is to see in the world. So honestly, every single trip I go on, I might you know, cross something off my list. But at the same time, I'm probably adding like three new things to the list of like, oh yeah, I would love to do that someday. So, (laughs) but as far as like actually crossing things off, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't go into every trip thinking about like, oh, can I cross something off my bucket list? But yeah, there are certainly like places in the world or trips I'd like to take that are higher up on my to-do list simply because it's like a bucket list type thing for me. So, but that obviously is going to be different for different people. I mean, one of my bucket list trips was to go see polar bears in Canada, which I did a few years ago. But like my husband who hates the cold and doesn't (laughs) really care about polar bears that much, he was just like, no, I would not want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's very personal. Uh, and I like that. Do you feel like you making this bucket list has made your life more exciting? Or like, would you recommend people have a bucket list? I think if you're the type of person who really likes lists, then yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love crossing stuff off lists, like to-do lists, grocery lists. I make lists for everything because I just... It helps motivate me. It helps remind me of the things that I want to do or need to do. And so if you're that sort of person who likes to be organized in that way, then absolutely, it's really fun to sit down and, and write out some, some goals or some things you like to try, even if it's maybe not realistic to do right now. I feel like having things to work towards is healthy for most people. But yeah, whether you actually want to write it all down and make it a formal bucket list, I think that just depends on your, your personality. Yeah. Wow. I love bucket lists. I feel like it, it's caused me to dream big. Uh, yeah. A recommendation that I give people, even if you don't know what you want out of life and like I always tell people like try to make a list anyway, you can go to other people's list and steal their stuff. Like you can go totally. to uh, Amanda's <laughs> stuff, go to her blog, see what she's done and be like, you know what? I want to do that. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And once you can see other people's stuff, it makes it a lot more cooler. And then you'd be like, man, you know what? I actually would like to do that. And I remember that was me. Like, I didn't even know what Petra was back in the day for Jordan. And I was like, you know what? I want to go there now. Like, I have to make this a part of my list. This episode is brought to you by the Cardia Advisory Group. Is your organization or brand struggling with how to attract, develop, and support culturally diverse teams? Perhaps you are the owner, tenured executive, or rising leader, 
who wants to ensure equity and inclusion but have no idea what to do or where to start. At Cardia, they specialize in helping organizations create inclusively diverse spaces where people thrive. Cardia Advisory Group is a Black-owned, woman-of-color-led firm that prioritizes institutional transformation and individual activation. Change is both possible and sustainable when industry leaders are willing, equipped, and committed to a new future. Book your consultation today at cardiaaustin.com. Cardia Advisory Group, engineering inclusively diverse cultures, one leader at a time. Through your journeys, like you've been a content creator now, you amassed a great following. You have a blog, you have your your YouTube channel, you have Instagram. And so I really want to like focus on blogging a little bit. What advice would you give someone who wants to start blogging and how do you make sure that their content stays authentic? I will say like, it's a lot tougher now than it used to be. I started blogging in 2010. Oh, wow. You're an OG. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that's when I started my current blog. Before that, I did the whole, you know, live journal, MySpace, all that stuff that every, all of us millennials. Wow. Did you say MySpace? Wow. Of course, MySpace. (laughs) Yeah. So I started a dangerous business in 2010. So it was a completely different world back in 2010 in terms of blogging. I mean, nobody was really doing travel blogging as a career yet. Maybe like Nomadic Matt. He's definitely one of the OGs, but it was just a completely different world. And I feel like most of us who started back then, we just learned as we went. I mean, I have a background in journalism, but not in like web management or development or blogging or SEO or social media, any of that stuff. I mean, I started before Instagram even existed. So (laughs) just having to learn all the new things took took time, obviously. But I think one thing that has remained consistent is that it is still really important to figure out how to let your personal voice come through in your writing. And sometimes that's just natural. I tend to write how I speak for the most part. So it's very conversational. It's very much kind of just inviting people to kind of just talk with me about places rather than me just like throwing facts and information at them. Sometimes that comes natural and other times you just need to practice. You just need to read lots of writing and need to practice writing on your own and figure out how to get your voice coming through. Because a lot of people will say that, you know, travel blogging is oversaturated, that there's so many blogs out there, which yes, there are a lot of blogs. Anybody can start a blog. But I think that with travel blogging, what makes it really accessible to people is the fact that like you're sharing your personal experiences. Like for me, I don't write about places I haven't been to. I literally just want to tell people about my experiences and then use those to help them plan a trip or learn something about a place. And so my experience is going to be very different from yours. So we might both visit the same place, but have completely different takeaways. So I think with travel blogging, you just have to keep in mind that People still follow people, whether it's on blogs or social media. Like, yes, people are coming to my blog just from a Google search, but those aren't really my followers. Those aren't right. the regular readers who sure. you know subscribe to you and, and keep coming back. The people who are actually following you, follow you for your personality. They follow you because they connect with you somehow. They trust you. And you just need to make sure that that comes through in your writing. And that's not an easy tip, right? That's no. it's not something you can just like, you know, click a button and it's done. But I think it is still the most important part about blogging is just 
figuring out how to get your voice to come through that so that people can like connect with you. That's really good. That's really good. And so you do this full time, right? Yes. When did you make that transition into full time? I went full time at the end of 2015. Mm. What was the the challenge or obstacle you faced or had to like overcome to actually go for it full time? Well, I mean, I was kind of forced into it. Mm. (laughs) I had been blogging part time, obviously, for years. So I worked at a newspaper when I first started my blog and I quit that job to go back to school to get a master's degree. So I was blogging and doing some like editing work on the side while I was working on my master's. And then when I finished my master's, I decided to travel for a while. And then I got like a part-time job with a uh, social media startup type company. And so I was kind of relying on that for the semi-steady income and still blogging on the side. But then they basically got rid of my position at that company at the end of 2015. So it was like, well, either I have to go find another job or I can just like go all in on the blogging and see what happens. And that's what I did. And it was really tough at first because even in 2015, income from blogging wasn't very steady. And I was still trying to do some freelance writing and some editing and some things to kind of supplement the actual blog income. So yeah, it was just challenging to figure out how to actually make enough money to live off of. (laughs) And yeah, it was definitely in those days, a lot more hustling, a lot of you know, this is before I had joined an ad network and, and, you know, you were making money sometimes by selling sponsored posts and mm-hmm. links and, and individual ads and all these things that just required a lot of hustle, which isn't a bad thing, but it wasn't necessarily what I enjoyed doing. <laughs> Even with your full time, you did try the digital nomad life, but now you're more so like me where you travel, uh, but you come back home. How do you find or like navigate your time between like traveling and then just like the responsibilities of home and things like that? Right. Yeah, it's a tough balance. And I think the reason that the whole digital nomad thing didn't work for me, and I actually wrote a whole whole blog post about, you know, how I failed at being a digital nomad. My plan was to do it for like a year. And about like three months into a trip, I was just decided, no, this is not for me. It's just... It was very stressful for me to try and travel and work at the same time. And especially when I tried this, this was back in like 2013. Okay. And so again, it was very hard to make money blogging. And so I was trying to do freelancing on the side. And it was just like, you know, you you'd have to be sending emails every day chasing up $200 payments from people. And it was just a lot of very stressful hustling and emailing and all this stuff that I didn't want to be worrying about while I was actually traveling. And so it was just, it didn't work for me. I missed like having that home base. I missed having the kind of comfort of knowing my surroundings when I was going through stressful business stuff. So yeah, I ended up coming home after three months and I was just like, this is not for me. (laughs) And yeah, I've just kind of taken that approach since then. Also, I'm married. So it's kind of, it would be hard for me to be away for like months at a time. (laughs) But I think it was good that I tried it because a lot of times you don't even know what's going to work for you until you try it. Uh, I Mm. tell people the same thing with, with solo travel, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if I'd like it, but it's like, well, you have to try it because it might, it might not be for you, but also you might love it. It's one of the, one of those things. So for me, it was just like kind of testing how long I liked being away from home at once 
versus like how I could actually balance doing the work with the travel. So for me, it's kind of like anything longer than three or four weeks is kind of pushing it for me personally in terms of how long I like to be away. And then if I do shorter trips, it's much easier for me to just travel and enjoy the experience. I mean, of course, I'm still taking photos and doing the social media stuff, but I'm also just able to enjoy the moment more. And then I do the work when I come home and that works for me. That makes sense. I love that. So you've been doing the travel blogging or been in the industry for a while now. Do you have any predictions or trends for blogging for 2022? That's a good one. (laughs) I mean, man, with this pandemic still going on, it's really tough. It's tough to predict anything, right? I think, though, the trends are probably going to be similar to last year. I think it's going to be a lot of domestic travel. People are interested in road trips and places they can visit that maybe don't require plane tickets or extra COVID tests and all the restrictions and, and all that sort of stuff that comes with traveling internationally. So yeah, I think domestic travel, I think people are also um, looking for more of those like very unique experiences, especially since a lot of people did the domestic travel thing last year as well. And so this year they might just be looking for, okay, well, what's something really cool I can do that I didn't know about? So going back to the whole bucket list thing. So, you know, bucket list stuff you can do domestically, I think will probably be pretty popular this year. I love it. I love it. So the last two questions... I ask these same two questions to everyone that comes on the podcast. First question is, what would you like to do be have in 2022? I would like to have COVID go away. Come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) No, I'm really hoping to be able to travel internationally again in 2022. I haven't actually left the country since October 2019 was the last time I used my passport, which is crazy. And don't get me wrong. I mean, traveling within the US is awesome. I love traveling domestically, but I'm like really, really hurting for some some Europe or just anywhere else. (laughs) I would love to be able to do that this year, but but we'll see. You know, I feel like we're just all kind of in this flexible like waiting game where we're like, oh, can we go? Can we go? Can we not? I don't know. No, for sure. And so the last question, can you give us some words of encouragement for our audience members? You know, we just need to hang in there. This is a really tough time for everybody in the world, but I am a perpetual Pollyanna. If you guys don't know who Pollyanna is, go Google her. Okay. (laughs) A Pollyanna is just like a, a perpetually optimistic person. So I am very optimistic. This time is really, really tough, but we are going to get through it and the world is going to be there. It's going to be waiting for us. And it's and the travel industry especially is going to need people like us to come back and to travel and, and visit and explore and have adventures again. And I'm, I can't wait for that. So I know if you're feeling like me, some days you're a little bit down and you're like, oh my God, when is this going to end? It will end. It will someday. <laughs> Hang in there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Amanda Williams. Amanda, do you have any big projects coming up? You want to give a shout out to like where people can follow you at and everything? Yeah. So uh, you can find my main blog. It's called A Dangerous Business. I'm just at Dangerous Biz with a Z on all the socials. I also have um, another smaller niche site that's just about Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I live. So that's called Cleveland Traveler. And I have a website. I have a TikTok for Cleveland that's pretty big, like by my standards. 
that I've been having a lot of fun with during the pandemic, uh, just making fun videos about Ohio and Cleveland. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have all those links in the show notes. Amanda, thank you once again for being on today. Thanks so much for having me. I had fun. I appreciate you. You just listened to Inspire 2022 with Jeff Jenkins, presented by Chubby Diaries. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. Catch our next episode on Tuesday at 5 a.m. Stay inspired, my friends.